0: How many of you have heard the phrase, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me? How many of you have said that phrase? How many of you believe it? Thought so. Because words can hurt, often more than those sticks and stones. They can also do great good. Words can lift up, They can spur us on to great things, can remember great speeches, inspiring speeches that I've heard that actually made me do something good. But words can also ruin a reputation and can bring a person crashing down. Even the United States Supreme Court, while favoring few limits on free speech, recognized the power of words to do harm. In 1942, Justice Frank Murphy wrote that fighting words, words intended to incite violence, did not come under the umbrella of protected speech. 26 years earlier, Oliver Wendell Holmes wrote, The most stringent protection of free speech would not protect a man falsely shouting fire in the theater and causing a panic. Now, we live in a world when people feel free to say just about anyone they want for just about anyone to hear. Social media is full of lies and words that a person would never say in person to another. Although it seems that more and more folks are becoming quite comfortable with saying those words in person to another A great deal of what passes for political discourse is not a presentation of ideas and reasoned arguments, but it's full of sometimes vicious attacks on their opponents, laden with half-truths and outright lies. Unfortunately, even some who call themselves the followers of the Prince of Peace are quite comfortable attacking others over doctrine, practice, or even politics in ways that would make Jesus cringe. What we say is powerful. Scripture has a lot to say about our speech. We're going to look at what Proverbs has to say, and then we will take a look at what our master and his early followers had to say. My prayer this morning is that what we see in Scripture will cause us to be people whose speech is seasoned with salt and brings good to those who hear us. Excuse me. Now, as you would expect, the book of Proverbs has a lot to say about our speech. Roughly one out of every six verses in this book has something to say about speaking. So I think Solomon thought that it was pretty important for his son and for anyone else who would read these to know this. We see verses about wise and foolish speech, the speech of the virtuous woman and that of the adulterous woman. The speech of godly parents is contrasted with the words of sinners. And the words of the righteous are put up against the words of the wicked. (coughs) Excuse me. What is wise speech? Well, wisdom herself cries out in the public places for the simple to hear and to heed her words. Her speech and that of those that follow her is characterized by righteousness in chapter 8, verse 8. Knowledge in chapter 15, verse 7. Instruction in chapter 1, 3 and chapter 8, verse 10. And... Sound counsel, in chapter one, verse five and eight, fourteen. I'm going to go through a lot of verses here, and if we read each one of them, I think all of our food will grow cold before the potluck. The speech of the virtuous woman is described in similar terms, and it's also described in chapter thirty-one as the teaching of kindness. Parents are described as giving wise counsel that will guide the child while growing up and will also stay with that child long after the parents are gone. Train up children in the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not depart from it. There are many benefits to wise speech. Wise words are a fountain of life, chapter 10 11, are as valuable as silver in 1020 and feed many, in 1021. The tongue of the wise brings healing, chapter 12, verse 18. And a wholesome or gentle tongue is a tree of life, that's chapter 15, verse 4. Lips of knowledge are like a precious jewel, 2015. And a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Proverbs tells us how to use our speech to give an answer. Don't answer before you hear, or it will bring folly and shame to you, in verses 18 to 13. That's one of the things they tell you how to become a good listener. Don't be thinking of your answer while you're supposed to be listening. And you definitely, as Proverbs says, don't want to answer before you even hear it. You may be answering the wrong question. think about how to answer in fifteen eighteen remember that the answers come from God in sixteen one and answer softly rather than roughly chapter fifteen verse one and chapter eighteen verse twenty three We should also know when to not answer a fool according to his folly, and when to return to a fool his own folly. That's Proverbs 26, verses 4 and 5, where it says, don't answer a fool according to his folly. The next verse then says, answer a fool according to his folly. There is a time when you need to return that folly back to him to show him how ridiculous he is. Proverbs teaches us to say the right thing in the right way and at the right time. In the Proverbs, we also see the negative side of speech. The teacher tells of the fool who lies, slanders others, and pours out foolishness, boasting, and perversity. The fool is not shy about telling you exactly what is on his mind even when there's nothing there. The adulterous woman's speech is loud and full of flattering lies. The list of sins of speech is long, and includes 23 verses warning about lying, deceit, and false witness. We are also warned against slander and gossip. You know, it seems that one of Christians' favorite things to do is to gossip about someone while kind of couching it as a prayer request. Flattery is another another one of those sins of the tongue. Now, what is flattery? What is, you know, complimenting someone, what is flattery? Aesop told a fable. There was a uh, crow who picked up a a grape, branch with grapes on it, flew up into the tree and was eating away on the grapes. Down below came a fox. And the fox started to talk to the crow and said, oh, you are a beautiful bird. Oh, you're, you're black color. The sun just glistens off of that. You're a beautiful bird. I bet your song is just as beautiful as you are. The crow opened his mouth To sing, the grapes fell down, fox ate them, and scurried away. That's flattery. That's complimenting a person to try to get something from them. And it may not always be true. Like, I don't think crows are very beautiful. And they certainly don't sing beautifully. That's flattery. A compliment Kirk, I think you're a good speaker. And I enjoy listening to you speak. Flattery would be overdoing it and telling him how wonderful he is and all this, trying to get something from him. So that's the difference here. And we are not to flatter people. The teacher also warns us against tooting our own horn. Now, we see a lot of people going around telling us how great they are or taking plenty of selfies to show it. Proverbs tells us that we should let others praise us rather than praise ourselves. That's in chapter 27, verse 2. In addition to what we've already looked at, Proverbs tells us that our speech should be gracious in 1624. It should bring joy. It should be sweet in 1621. Soft in 2515. Kind in uh, chapter 31:26 gracious and truthful not only should our speech be wise truthful gracious and kind but it should also be timely sometimes the best time to say something is not right now Proverbs 15:23 states to make an apt answer or a timely answer is a joy to a man and a word in season, how good it is. We've seen chapter 25, verse 11, speak about a word fitly spoken. The next verse says that like a gold ring or an ornament of gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. In contrast is the fool in Proverbs 18:2, who finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in giving us his opinion. As Abraham Lincoln reportedly said, better to be silent and thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Proverbs 18:21 sums it all up by stating that death and life are in the power of the tongue. In, <coughs> excuse me, If the book of Proverbs was the only place for us to learn how to use our words wisely, I think that would be enough. But there is much more. As I said earlier, our king and our master, along with his first followers, has much to say about our speech. In the Beatitudes... Jesus pronounces blessings on people with a certain character. In keeping with our theme, we can say that those blessed ones are those whose speech is humble, whose words are gentle, and show a hunger for righteousness. Their speech comes from a pure heart. They speak words of mercy and peace. Later in the same chapter, Jesus equates words of anger and insult to murder and states that we should seek to be reconciled rather than to attack. Later, he goes on to say that we should even love our enemies, seeking their good rather than their destruction. In other words, he's asking us to be like him. Our speech includes what we say to God. Jesus tells us to not pile up empty words or phrases in an attempt to impress others. In chapter 7, he tells us our speech is not to be judgmental. And we are not to waste our words on those who are not ready or able to hear them. Instead, we are to talk to our Father and ask him to change them. In Matthew 12, Jesus states that we will give account for every careless word we speak. In chapter 18, Jesus tells us to go to one who has sinned against us and tell them, not everybody else, what they have done with an eye to reconciliation. Our king tells us that people are recognized by the fruit that's in their lives, and our speech shows who we belong to. Now since the le- <clears throat> excuse me, since the letters written by the apostles are given to us to teach us how to follow Jesus in our day-to-day, there's more that they have to say concerning our speech. Paul says in Ephesians 4:29 that we shouldn't let any unwholesome talk. Come out of our mouths, but instead speak words that will build others up. Now, Unwholesome talk is more than just using curse words. I can remember growing up. The, uh, the implication when you know, I was taught you, you shouldn't say these words because that's unwholesome talk. Kind of behind everything, the implication was everything else is fair game as long as you're not cursing. And there's a story, and I'm not going to use the exact word, but Tony Campolo used to start his speeches off by talking about the fact that within the last 24 hours or whatever, so many people, so many children, I think it was 30,000 children had died. And then he talked about the attitude that some of the people might have. And he used a word that... Uh, I I don't have the guts that Tony has, so uh, I'm not going to use that, but you can look it up. And then he said, and most of you are upset that I use this, more upset that I use this word than you are about 30,000 people dying last night. So that's involved, yes, that's part of it, but it's anything that does not lift another person up. Cutting people down is unwholesome talk. Um, I don't know how many of you are on Twitter. Uh, I keep thinking I need to get off, but there's an awful lot of unwholesome talk on on Twitter. Facebook controls it a little better, I think. But, uh, you know, it's amazing, it's amazing. What, uh, what you find. And some of it, it comes out of the mouths of those who call themselves followers of Jesus. It's talk that tears people down. It's useless talk. Paul tells us in Colossians 4 that we are to be wise in the way we act towards outsiders and let our conversation be full of grace, seasoned with salt, Those of you that are cooks know that the right amount of salt seasons a dish and makes it taste better. Well, our conversation should season our interactions with others and make them better. In Colossians 3.17, Paul states that whatever we do in word or deed is to all be done in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, if everything we do or say is to be done in Jesus' name, I guess that those things we say go a long way towards showing who we are and who we belong to. Peter, who at one time was not known for being particularly careful with his speech, said that we are not to repay evil with evil. Or insult with insult. But we are to repay evil with blessing. Because this is what we're called to do. In chapter 3 of his letter, James says that we all stumble. And if anyone is never at fault in what they say, then they're the kind of person who can keep everything else under control. So that's pretty important. If you can control your tongue... You can pretty much handle the rest of it. In the same chapter, he addresses the problem of blessing and cursing coming out of the same mouth and unequivocally states that this should never be the case. It's like a spring that pours out fresh water and salt water. I've never encountered one of those. But I can imagine it probably wouldn't taste very good. It's just something that shouldn't be. In chapter 5, James echoes Jesus' words when he tells us that we shouldn't swear by heaven or by earth, but simply say yes or no. We should be people who are known for the integrity of our speech. So when we say something, people know that that's the case. We don't have to swear by the roof of the Getty Center or, you know, the gold in the temple or what, anything like that. And I think James gives us the key in chapter 1, verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. That would solve a whole lot of problems, wouldn't it? John, in his first letter, adds another layer to the issue of our speech. In chapter 3, verse 18, the beloved disciple writes, Dear children, let us not love in words or speech, but with actions and in truth. James in his letter says, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? Good speech must be backed up with actions that prove that we mean what we say and that we are children of the creator of the universe. To sum up, listen to these words of Paul from Colossians 3, verses 12 to 17. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and Redeemer.